Decatur, Dallas, Fort Worth, and KYJC, Commerce. Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. So what does 2024 actually look like? Today we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, how does 2024 look as far as your investments goes? Today, author and financial advisor David Wright is here to give us his take and talk a little bit about his book, Bonfire of the Sanities. Hey, David, welcome back to Prudent Money. Thank you, Bob, for having me back. You know, I thought we uh, didn't really cover everything I wanted to cover, so selfishly I wanted you to come back. I wanted to get your take on some things and just didn't have enough time the last time around. So let's talk a little bit about the unknowns, and it's, it's just that time of year where everybody's making predictions and forecasts. Talk about 2024 and what you're excited about. I'm excited about is uh, it's an election year, which always creates a lot of uh, excitement in terms of a change in direction of the country. Uh, I believe that our country needs a change in direction, but certainly uh, it, it, w- w- we're entering a period now of lots of new innovations with different technologies, artificial intelligence, those sorts of things. Um, I'm, I'm finding more things, however, to be a little bit concerned about with the with the future of the economy and the markets, just by basis of a lot of reckless practices that I think have taken place uh, with uh, the, the past three years and even beyond that with, with our government, with the spending that's been going on. So uh, a little bit concerned about the direction of where our markets and economy will be going in 2024. Well, you know, it's interesting because there, if you if you watch things kind of behind the scenes like you or I do uh, do on a daily basis, you you see things that the Federal Reserve Board's doing that's just scratching your head, and there there's a there's consequences. Now, whether those are tomorrow, four years down the road, or whatever, there are definitely consequences to uh, some some of the actions you're taking. And uh, I think that that is the the one thing people don't see. The Federal Reserve, I think many people are under the impression that they're here to help the stock market. They're here to help investors uh, create this perfect panacea of a a way to to grow your money in the market so that you have lots of money for retirement. But that's really not what the Fed's uh, Federal Reserve's mandate is. It's two things. It's to maintain stable employment. And I think they've done that. Uh, unemployment is a, at a very low 3.7%. Uh, they've also managed to curb a rein in stable prices. Uh, with inflation now, with the core uh, CPI uh, interest rate in the threes, so they brought that down you know, from 9% to 3%, not at its stated uh, target rate of 2%, but getting darn close to that. Uh, the issue with the feds, however, is what they do moving forward, because I think they're at a fork in the road 
Um, and, and I'll tell you something I don't like, Bob. I, in, the, in the good old days, he <laughs> used to be just the Fed president, that, uh, the, the, the chief uh, of the Fed, yes. in this case Jerome Powell, would, would simply make the announcement, this is what the Fed is thinking, this is what we're going to do. But now each of those Fed governors, Fed presidents, are out uh, campaigning for what they think the, is going to happen. And they do these dot plots where they decide who's a dove, who's a hawk, and who's neutral. There's so much media coverage on it that people are out there scratching their head, like you said, not really sure what the feds are going to do. If they hold interest rates where they are right now, where the Fed funds rate is between five and a quarter percent and five and a half percent, well, if they hold it there because they're concerned that maybe inflation could tick higher if they start reducing rates, that could create uh, an inflationary society again and could create more problems. More people think that the Feds will start pivoting and in, in, in reducing rates. And in that case, that will ease the pressure on banks uh, to allow them to earn more uh, interest in their net interest margins and will bring down the foreclosures that are happening in our mortgage market, credit card delinquencies, all that good stuff. But the bottom line that, that we're, we're looking at is which direction is the Fed going to go? More dovish, more hawkish, or just kind of wait and see what's going to happen throughout this election cycle as we move into 2025 with um, perhaps a new president? Uh, we'll see. You know, it just doesn't seem like any choice is a good choice, and especially when you look at the the, undint, the unintended consequences and, of course, the known consequences of starting to cut rates. It just seems like we're going to re-pump everything back up by doing so. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely believe that, Bob. Uh, I don't mean to always – I always feel like when I talk to media, I'm, I'm tr- I sound like Debbie Downer here, <laughs> and I don't want to – I do. I mean, I really do. I, I want to be positive about our future sure, and, sure. and that, that we're, we're heading in, certainly in technologies uh, across the board. But when, when you uh, keep uh, interest rates artificially low, like they did during COVID, and then pumped in all this cash into our uh, monetary system, well, that has uh, a, pro- a problem. That, that creates more uh, liquidity in the market, more use of the funds. We had a supply-demand issue, and uh, now we're in a position where it just seems like they're darned if they do and darned if they don't, so to speak. And and uh, if, if they start lowering rates too quick, like you said, there could be just a, an overall entitlement feeling like, well, we, let's use those credit cards again, let's fill up those balances again, and let's go out and spend, 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 which is good for small business, but then again, inflation starts to tick higher, and then the whole vicious cycle starts to uh, actually rear its ugly head. So what do we do for the future? I just think that the feds have to put on their tin hats and, 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 and uh, decide what is the you know middle ground for us to not go too far down with rates, but at the same time, keep one eye on or keep one foot on the gas and one foot uh, on the brake, so to speak. I think they're going to need to really be very, very careful this year with with uh, rate hikes and rate cuts. You know, we were uh, you were talking about the sharing your concerns. I think that uh, we need we need to hear more of that because people you know, on the on your CNBCs of the world, I mean, people, they've got they they'll have the uh, typical round table with five people who are positive and one person who's got the negativity 
and they, and they let they let, uh, they let. I can't believe you said that, Bob. That's, yeah, that's right. You were you're right. You they they, exactly they, right. they let the bearish guy speak every once in a while. You know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe exactly because, well, you know, when you look at at media in general, ninety uh, percent of Wall Street is funded by you know media. Media. So sure. obviously, Wall Street sells lots of. Uh, advertising and uh the cnbc's of the world want that they want to you know uh stroke their uh, advertisers and and uh, it's not right but it's it's what happens and and people i've i've done this now for over 30 years and people that listen to that stuff and that you know, govern their uh retirement decisions and their investments uh using that uh, mass media approach of uh well the market can't fail it's going to continue to just you know, earn double digits every year. Those people do that at their own peril, especially since retirement, last time I checked, is not a short-term liability. It's a long-term liability. You have to, to create a, a, a stream of money that's going to last perhaps 20 to 30 years more after you hang up your work career. So it has to be planned for differently than when you're in your 30s, 40s, and 50s. Yeah, I mean, some some of the things, and we could I, I won't. I'll not go there. But uh, some of the things that I'm sure you come across that that people write, and the Yahoo Finances of the world, and the Money Magazines of the world, and they call it advice. It's just unbelievable. But I, I'm a I'm a real big believer, and that's one of the reasons I like to, to want you to come back on. I'm a real big believer in discussing both sides of the story. You know, nobody knows who's right. It's all an opinion. Right. And uh, we're not here to argue who's right or who's wrong. It's just to take them both and come put your put your decision making with these things in mind and exactly. uh, go forward. It's just really it, it's it's a, a well balanced approach, which I don't think that we have enough of. I I totally agree with you. Couldn't have said it better myself. Everybody that comes into a workshop or to my office for a complimentary review of, of what they have. Everybody wants maximum return for minimum risk. Who wouldn't? <laughs> Raise your hand. Who wants maximum return for minimum risk? But, but I ask them maximum return for what purpose? Now, if you've asked yourself that question, if you want maximum return to be in the stock market, if it's for a lump sum purchase, like a, like a house or a boat or something like that, maybe you are invested correctly. If you're, if you're building up this uh, balance and you're investing it for maximum return, maybe it's for a legacy, maybe it's for your church, maybe it's for your kids. But nine times out of ten, Bob, why people are investing with the thought of maximum return for minimum risk is for income. It's to have income in retirement. So uh, uh, how you invest in this, uh, in, in my book, as I explain, is a function of where you are in your working career. So if you're five to 10 years from ending your working career and retiring, that may color a bit of the way you invest uh, versus someone that's in their 30s and 40s, for example. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. I'm talking to advisor and financial advisor and author David Wright. And uh, David's been on the, on the program last month. I wanted him to come back on and talk a little bit more about his book, Bonfire of the Sanities. 
And uh, before we get to that, I just want to get one last question uh, to you, uh, David. And, and uh, is it, are we at a point, do you think we're at a point to where bonds are a good buy? You know, I think that that's one of the things people are kind of looking past is the fact that the, the bond market's been in a, been a, a, a tough spot for two, I guess you could call it last year as well. And sure. uh, it, it's got to, at some point, I don't know that we're quite there, that's my opinion, but at some point, that's, that's got to be a great buy. It, it, it certainly is a great buy for those individuals that know how to pick bonds and, and understand that uh, you don't chase yields. But certainly, you know, through this entire crisis of the last couple of years, and who, cert, who had any idea that the Magnificent Seven was going to come out last year and, you know, kind of uh, raise, the, raise the water level of the stock market like it did. But obviously, you know, good old-fashioned investment-grade corporate bonds are certainly, you know, going to be in a position with, with interest rates coming down this year. That certainly will help bond prices. But people that invest for bonds understand that they, they, they want to have predictability of two things. If they, if they buy a bond individually from someone that knows what they're doing, they know that they're getting two guarantees. First of all, they know they're getting a guaranteed contract of principle between themselves and the institution they're purchasing the bond from. Secondly, they know they're getting an interest rate that's stated on the coupon of the bond. Uh, they know they're getting that stated interest rate for the duration of that bond. Two of those things are guarantees that are not available if you're invested in for example, a bond mutual fund, which a lot of people, a lot of advisors recommend bond mutual funds to their clients when markets get precarious or, or uh, a little bit uh, volatile. So I do believe that bonds have their place and uh, bond-like instruments, things like bond ETFs, exchange-traded funds, things like uh, income REITs, things like preferred stocks, all those things allow retirees to generate a cash flow from dividends and interest, which will allow them to withdraw money the right way in retirement, not the wrong way. The wrong way to withdraw money from your portfolio once you get to retirement is to actually sell shares or sell principal. And that is a poor approach because you will cannibalize your portfolio. Maybe things will be great for a while into retirement, but some point in retirement, things are going to shift and the income stream you are getting, you, you might be digging into and withdrawing shares at some point. We want to create this panacea of income from the majority of the money you've saved where you can actually withdraw the correct way in retirement from income, from interest and dividends, the money you want to not touch, you want to build for the legacy or for the house, uh, the cottage, or the boat, or the new car. And you can invest that differently because it might be a, a little bit, uh, you want to speculate a little bit more on growth and, and growth-type investments. But corporate bonds and bond-like instruments, we believe, are an excellent way to find income. Our formula, Bob, TR or total return equals I, which stands for income, plus G, which stands for growth. TR equals I plus G is, in our opinion, the correct way to plan for retirement. Matter of fact, I say often in front of um, audiences that I talk to, when it comes to investing, this is the key. Invest for the I and not all for the G. 
if you invest strictly for growth, you're hoping you're hoping and praying that for the next 10, 15, 20 years in your retirement, the market's going to go up every year. And we know that's just not reality. Sure. So money that you need to have to support yourself in retirement, some of it should come from the eye. And most people that invest uh, to, to retirement are not ever invested that way. They're always invested more aggressively because they have more time on their hands. But when you're in retirement, they're less time there's certainly less time for mistakes because now the money is there for withdrawal, not necessarily for just holding it and waiting for a recovery. So it's understanding that retirement is a different time to plan for and understanding that what your advisor is actually asking you for isn't necessarily, uh, you know, the fact that the market's never going to drop. What they're asking you for by investing all for growth is your time. And what are you going to do in years where the market doesn't cooperate? Are you going to not touch the money? Are you going to not take that trip? Are you going to not gift to your church? Of course not. You want to continue to do those things in retirement. The only way to protect that income is to invest for income. And that's what this book, I believe, uh, knocks out of the park because that's the way we approach retirement. Okay, David. So you you did mention a second ago artificial intelligence, and I got a question for you. It goes something yeah. like this: Is it is it the next big thing when everybody's watching it? You know, you know well, how the, the 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 next big thing is always something that kind of happens in the background, and all of a sudden you wake up one day and realize, wow, that's where all the money's going. That's what's making all the money, and and uh, I I, I kind of wonder if if artificial intelligence, it, it just seems like everybody already already knows that it's the next big thing. Does that make sense? It, it, it does, Bob. But I'll be honest with you. I believe in my heart that we don't know everything yet that That's is true. to come about as of AI. I do believe it's as big or bigger than when the Internet was uh, the, the, the next big thing in the 90s, you know, going into 2000. No one knew what, what really that whole revolution was going to be. But the thing that's scary about AI is the fact that it's going to replace human workers. It's going to replace human thought in some cases. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, going to create issues, um, just like the Internet created issues, so will artificial intelligence create some things that may not necessarily be helpful to society. And uh, I, I do believe that uh, while it will revolutionize and already has many different areas, we've already been using it, um, it's, it's got some issues with it that could be uh, very worrisome in the future. Let me ask you this. You're talking about income, and, and uh, don't disagree at all. I, the one question that I do have is where, in your opinion, or maybe it doesn't, does uh, fixed annuities – uh, is that is that some type of an income source that you would use? It wouldn't have been five years ago. Yes. It wouldn't have been five years ago, but I'll, I'll tell you right now, uh, with interest rates still holding high because the feds haven't pivoted yet, uh, fixed annuities are an excellent place to basically hold uh, funds that you want to extend interest rates compounding them uh, monthly. 
uh, for a duration of anywhere between two and ten years. Uh, some people choose to fund them on a short duration. Uh, some choose to fund them for a more longer-term duration. But I think they have their place. I think the only knock on a fixed annuity would be to put everything there. I think that sure. would be a big mistake. But um, as long as you have enough uh, liquidity inside of other, your other investments, uh, a fixed annuity has its place. I certainly have used them in my practice, but they're always used with a degree of of uh, balance. You don't ever want to overcommit to one area of investment in the market, but certainly fixed annuities do have their place. The name of the book is Bonfire of the Sanities and really does go through a lot of detail about uh, personal investment. David, you have a website there that uh, people can go and uh, get more information. I do. Uh, that website is bonfireofthesanities.com. And certainly, if they wanted to find out more about our practice, the, 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 the whole concept of TR equals I plus G, uh, investing for income, you can also go to write, W-R-I-G-H-T, financialgroup.com. You can click on there, and we've got lots of resources and information uh, about that concept. And, and uh, also, you can get a complimentary first couple chapters of the book if you want to read through it and see if that's, it's your cup of tea. It isn't for everyone, Bob. I will say that. Some people are just, uh, they, they want to invest for growth. They want the booyah. They want that, you know, sizzle and the excitement of investing like, a, like it's a racetrack. But most of the people that we run into, at least in our neck of the woods in the Midwest, they want to know that their money has a purpose and that purpose is to support them in a way in retirement that allows them to do and be everything that God intended them to be during their retirement. And it supports them in that effort. You know, David, you, you write in the book about managing risks and uh, refer to it as the new reality. Say you've, you've got a client who is wanting to reduce risk because of a lot of the uncertainty. What steps would you advise sure. him to take? Well, we, we've uh, boiled it down into a retirement risk report, the RRR. Basically, it looks at the volatility of the portfolio because volatility in itself isn't bad, but if you're going into retirement, volatility can ruin your retirement by itself. So we have a special soft... Go ahead. Were you uh, saying something? No, I wasn't saying something. I do have oh. about, about half a minute left. Go ahead. Okay, gotcha. Basically, the retirement risk report will look at the volatility of your investment. It'll also take a look at what income is being generated from the portfolio you currently have. Are there any dividends interest? In some cases, people are already well on their way of uh, having that income stream, and they're in great shape. Lastly, the, re the uh, retirement risk report looks at those things that uh, are tax-diversified. Are you, from a tax-diversified standpoint, ready for retirement? Have you maximized your Roth conversions, uh, backdoor conversions, or even uh, new contributions to Roths? And do you know exactly what you're going to need to retire on? Will the money be there from your pension, Social Security, and most importantly, from your portfolio? Great information, David. Uh, once again, the name of the book, Bonfire of the Sanities. And you can go to bonfireofthesanities.com for more information. David, great to have you on. Bob, thanks for having me back. 
This is Bob Brooks. If you have a question for me, please go to the website at uh, prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time, keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money.